This podcast is sponsored by Active Skin Repair, a skin health company helping people heal with natural, non-toxic, medical-grade ingredients. So, Bree, I remember this one time I was in a bike race around Tucson, and uh, I wasn't paying attention. We were riding down 4th Avenue, and there's railroad tracks, like street track tracks, and my bike's tire like went and wedged in to the railroad tracks, no. and I totally fell down and just like skinned my hands, everything. Ugh. I had nothing with me, nothing at all. And it's that times where you want a first aid product and you have nothing. And <laughs> active skin repair utilizes a molecule called hypochlorous acid. When applied to the skin, the molecule works by mimicking the natural immune response to cleanse, soothe irritation, reduce inflammation, and support healing. I've used it on my son's mosquito bites, and I wish I would have had it the time I totally scraped up my hands. Oh, I hear you. Like whenever I go paddleboarding, kayaking, I'm always trying to find something that is like an all-in-one that I can take with me. And active skin repair could be used like that. It can be used to treat cuts, scrapes, burns, sunburns, rashes, and other types of skin damage. It's also safe and non-toxic, which makes it suitable for all skin types, all parts of the body, like eczema and acne-prone skin, all of that. With over 500,000 happy customers, thousands of five-star reviews, and ingredients so safe and clean they can be used from the youngest member of the family to the oldest, you now have one simple solution for all of your family's skin health needs. Visit www.activeskinrepair.com to learn more about Active Skin Repair and to get 20% off your order. Use code NOGUILT. Welcome to the No Guilt Mom Podcast. I am your host, Joanne Crone, joined here by my jewel-toned co-host, Free Tucker. Why, hello, hello, everybody. How are you? I was shooting for friendly. You're friendly, too. Yeah. Yeah. No, just because of the, you know, topic. Oh, yes. Yes. We are talking about how moms can live better, happier, and simpler lives through self-care. But that also has to do with relationships. Yes, it does. It does. Yeah, and we're talking with Christine Coe, who is just, okay, first of all, she's so delightful. Oh my goodness, yes. she She's so fun to talk to you and just is a wealth of knowledge when it comes to two types of self-care, which you're going to hear about in this episode. So I'm not going to ruin those two types of self-care, but both are equally important. But this one was a, a especially interesting interview because it was a redo for us because we had like catastrophe happen on her first interview. Oh, I know, yeah. right? Like, so we started the interview and I think we were only like a minute yeah. in, like not, I don't even know if we started, yeah, we did just barely started mm -hmm. and then all of a sudden she just disappeared she just disappeared and and we immediately went to our past experience yes. which is where our internet went out our and our actually our power went out first which mm -hmm. we didn't realize because we we do this typically recording in the day with the daylight out so we're not you know we have no idea if the power goes out and then yeah. your battery on your laptop died which yeah. is what we record on so we thought that had uh, happened but that didn't happen at all no. what really happened was a tree fell outside her house on a power line and took her power out randomly so it was just random so <laughs> random happened at that instant so we got another chance to uh get on and talk with her and we think you're really going to enjoy her christine Coe is a former music and brain scientist 
turned author of Minimalist Parenting. She's a speaker. She's a podcaster. She has two podcasts that are phenomenal, Edit Your Life and Hello Relationships. She's also a creative director and a designer. And if you go follow her on Instagram, she shares these amazing cakes that she decorates. Oh my gosh, yeah. That's just for fun. This is for, yes. So she believes in the power of authentic storytelling, human connection, and small actions in order to help people move the needle in their lives. And we hope you enjoy our conversation with Christine. Hey, you only have a few more days to get the pre-order bonus from my book coming out for kids, Me and My Friendships, A Kid's Guide to Making and Being Friends. And uh, this pre-order bonus, like you cannot get it anywhere else. You cannot buy it. I've made a course for your kids called Really Good Friendships that you get for free just for pre-ordering the book. The book is released on July 6th, which is very, very exciting. So you need to go pre-order it before then. You can find out more information at noguiltmom.com backslash friendships. And now on with the show. You want mom life to be easier. That's our goal too. Our mission is to raise more self-sufficient and independent kids, and we're going to have fun doing it. We're going to help you delegate and step back. Each episode, we'll tackle strategies for positive discipline, making our kids more responsible, and making our lives better in the process. Welcome to the No Guilt Mom Podcast. Welcome, Christine. We are so happy to have you on the podcast. Like I personally have known of you for a while. You're like a fellow Mom 2.0 conference like attendee. So I, we've actually run into each other there very briefly. But so happy to have this conversation. I'm so delighted to be on with you, ladies. Thank you so much for having me. And we had such a fun time because you know podcast land. It's never predictable. Ugh. And. <laughs> True. <laughs> our our previous conversation was interrupted by a windstorm. <laughs> it was very dramatic. I mean, really, it, this is a, this is how pandemic life is. You never know what's around the corner, <laughs> right? And you know what? I would even have to say that podcasting is like everything else in motherhood. You do it on the fly. You yeah. learn how to pivot like nobody's business. You totally do. Absolutely, I totally know how to pivot. So, for our, our listeners who don't know who you are, can you tell us a little bit about you and your story? Sure, I'll. Try to give the, the quick version. I am a former music and brain scientist. I used to study neurology and music and learning and all these things. And about 15 years ago, I decided to leave academia for the internet. And I started blogging in 2006. I was an old school blogger. And that path just kind of evolved over the years to lead to a book and a couple podcasts and my role as creative director and a designer. And I just like doing many, many things and always with a creative lens to try to help people make their lives just a little bit better in some way, shape or form. I love that. So I find it so fascinating. First of all, your background in neurology and music. That's like one avenue we could really go deep into. So I'm going to oh, yeah. stay focused. It's so weird. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but I also like, I love your Instagram and your cakes. Like tell us about oh, your yeah. cakes. Okay. So it's so funny because on edit your life, which is one of my podcasts, we just did an episode recently about hobbies. And one of my recommendations was everything does not need to be a hustle. And for me, cakes are very therapeutic. 
you know, I'm on the internet so much. So I just find that it's very relaxing and therapeutic to do something with my hands and something very visual. And so I love making cakes. And anytime any, anyone, if I post one, people usually say, oh, you should start a business. And I'm like, one, I do not need any more businesses. <laughs> and two, I, I just want this to be fun and for me. And if I turned it into a business, then I wouldn't love doing it anymore. Plus it takes me forever to make whatever I'm making. So because I usually don't start with a very good plan. So it, it is fun. And it's a special occasion situation only, but it is really, really fun. And my kids love baking too. That's so interesting what you said when people are like, oh, you have this talent, you should turn it into a business because it takes almost the fun out of it and the creativity when you then have to replicate what you're doing for other people. It's no longer just for you. Yes. And I mean, I get it. We live in a hustle culture. I mean, there are probably books and podcasts and various things all about converting to the hustle. But I really think it's important for us, especially as moms, to just find little things that we just keep for ourselves. It's so important. Which brings us really into our topic today, which is the importance of self-care and how self-care is more than just like manicures and pedicures and bubble baths. But tell us a little bit about what self-care should be and what that should look like. Yes. Well, I started thinking about, uh, well, I think about self-care all the time, like everybody else, I need it. We've, and I think one thing a lot of people have realized, I think throughout the last challenging year plus is how we just have to carve out whatever we can get. I mean, it is <laughs> scraping it together and scrapping it together and just finding little pockets of time. Actually, I don't know if you know Jessica Turner. She's a mm -hmm. fellow mom too person, but she talks about this in the fringe hours, like really, really maximizing those pockets of time. Anyway, so I was thinking about self-care this year and I realized that it's not just about you do something nice for yourself and then done, boom, you're all set. I realized there's kind of, two things that need to work in tandem. And one is what I call protective self-care. And then the second thing is what I call restorative self-care. So it's kind of like you need to do, you know, some work to kind of protect yourself and keep yourself safe in order to like give yourself the good stuff and like, so that can sink in. So, you know, one of the easiest examples I can give you is limiting social media that makes you feel crappy would be a form of protective care because mm -hmm. you're putting up some boundaries. And then the restorative side of that, the flip side would be leaning into a multi-sensory activity that makes you feel really good or, or whatever it is, something that makes you feel good. So once you get those two things working in tandem, it's really, really powerful, I've found. And the more I've talked to people about this, the more they're like, yeah, that really makes sense. <laughs> it's like any deep work that you have to do in life. You have to kind of dig into the stuff that doesn't feel that great in order to make the really good stuff feel amazing. I think that is so true. So many of us feel like self-care, I'm speaking for a lot of people, so I'm going to totally armchair this, but in my personal opinion and in a lot of people that I, I'm friends with, it seems like we always think that self-care should be so easy, right? Like, oh, I should be able to, to do this so easily. And then you kind of get down on yourself and there's too many other things going on. And it's because we're not really taking it seriously. Yeah. We're acting mm -hmm. like it should be as easy as breathing air. And it just, it really isn't, especially in our environment right now, there is so much going on. And even just to kind of like date this somewhat, like we're all at a point now where there's the vaccination rollout for the pandemic. And 
things are on the cusp of big changes. And a lot of us have to, you know, change our mental health thought process. We have to change the way we're looking at our time, our place, all these things. And we have to be protective and be real serious about self-care. Yeah. And even just to also add a layer of nuance to this, I think even when you think about just the restorative side, when somebody says, oh, just go take a walk or, you know, read a book or whatever it is. Moms, I think pretty much all moms, every mom I've ever met anyway, you also have this sort of guilt factor about, oh, well, I could be doing something else that's in service of my family during that time. And I don't think that's martyr complex. I just think that's what being a mom is like. Yeah, (laughs) right. We just, you, you just always have your radar up for, you know, what other people need. And so it's a complicated, it's never just about the act of doing something for yourself. There are so many other things in play always. Hey all, it is Joanne and Brie here. And we want to tell you about a podcast that you should check out. It's called Understood Explains. This season of the show is hosted by teacher and special education expert Juliana Uturbe. And it's all about how to navigate individual education plans, also known as IEPs. And in this latest season of Understood Explains, it covers topics like how to tell if your child needs an IEP and it busts common myths about special education. We actually just listened to the episode, IEPs, Does My Child Need an IEP? And here is what we loved about it. I loved that it was so digestible. Like it was such a short episode and all of the topics, which could be really confusing to parents, were easily explained. And I loved how they gave great concrete examples because you know how much I love me a good example. They explained what kind of services and supports you could actually see on a child's IEP or individual education plan. And they explained those acronyms that nothing drives me more crazy than when there's acronyms and I don't get it. I don't know what it stands for. They took the time to explain everything in so much detail and to cover concerns that a lot of families have about special ed services. To listen to Understood Explains, search for Understood Explains in your podcast app. That's Understood Explains, or just click on the link in our show notes. Well, hey there, Busy Mama. Are you looking for ways to make your life easier, your home less chaotic, and at the same time, add more joy to your life? My name is Deanna Yates, and I'm the host of Wanna Be Clutter Free, a podcast all about letting go of the stuff we don't need in our lives so that we can focus on what truly matters. Don't worry, I'm not going to tell you to throw it all away or make you feel guilty about keeping something you love, no matter how many other people don't quite understand it. But I will give you practical and more importantly, actionable advice so that you can make progress right away. And you won't just hear it from me. There are amazing guests too. It's like having your bestie in your pocket, telling you it's okay to let go of the things that are not serving you and your family in a totally non-judgmental way. So join me over on the podcast where we can work on progress over perfection for those of us that want to be clutter-free. So complicated. And what you said about the protective self-care, like I think that's even harder than the restorative self-care because under that, wouldn't it be like saying no to things? Yes. Setting your boundaries and... For sure. For sure. Actually, one of my big things, you know, I created a graphic about this some time back and one of the top things, the protective side was... I mean, it's a huge one. So for example, letting go of toxic relationships. And, you know, the other side of that is focusing your energy on loving relationships, but letting go of toxic relationships. I mean, that's going to take some work, but once you get to the other side of it, it is unbelievably powerful to be able to put set boundaries for yourself and really then give yourself the space to lean into the relationships that 
really fill you up instead of the ones that drag you down. And I think that's scary too, because some of those toxic relationships, a lot of them have deep roots. Oh, yes. You know? Oh, yeah. There are people that have been in our lives for so long. They're involved and intertwined in our lives in such a complicated way. It's scary. Mm-hmm. And it's a lot easier to be like, I'll just try to avoid the person. Yeah. And it doesn't- <laughs> doesn't work out that well, does it? <laughs> I've tried the avoidance. I've tried, I've tried digging the hole and sticking my head in the sand and pretending like it didn't happen. And it doesn't, it doesn't work out. I wonder why. I know. I know. I'll send you guys a link. I recently hosted an article. I had an article go live on CNN that was all about friendships. And it was really about yes. ways to repair relationships or let them go if they're toxic. And one of the people I interviewed for the piece, Dr. Mercer Franco, had some just really good examples of what a not sort of loving uh, relationship looks like and knowing when to let go. And it's okay. It's actually biologically really okay. What are like some warning signs of a toxic relationship? She was talking about, you know, things like if you feel bullied or in a relationship or not supported, things like that. You know, there are some classic red flags. And uh, Lydia Denworth, who is another expert who has written a book all about the biological underpinnings of friendship, she was saying how really being ambivalent about friendships isn't really good for us. So if there's too much bad outweighing the good in a relationship, it's really best to let it go. So, you know, there's some fascinating reads and great, you know, people doing great work out in this realm if people want to dig a little deeper. That's awesome. Like relationships really fascinate me and especially the emotions that go into play in relationships. But a lot of the time, like when we're in a toxic relationship, we tend to stuff everything down and not mm-hmm. really be aware of all of our emotions about the situation. How can we start being honest about our emotions and even accepting those emotions? I think one really important thing is we all need more pauses in life, I think, yes. before we do something. Yes. <laughs> so, you know, just the other day, I actually have a friendship that I've been, it's its in a state of flux at the moment. And actually, I've, I've done this with other people too. You know, I think about, oh, I should. So note the word should. Mm-hmm. I should send an email to check in. Mm. So what I do in a moment like that is I pause and I think, okay, like, how is that actually making me feel? Am I, am I sort of cringing? And you guys can see my cringing face. The listeners cannot, but (laughs) am I cringing a little bit thinking about when an email comes back and like having to deal with that? That's probably a sign that things are not super healthy right now. And it doesn't mean you give up on the relationship. It just might mean you need a little bit more space before thinking of it, thinking about doing some repair. And also one thing I loved about piece of advice that Lydia Denworth gave me was that she called it, I loved it. She called it shuffling the social furniture of life. So I called it shuffling the friendship furniture that sometimes it's okay. You know, relationships, whether it's friendship or something else, they evolve and they change and it's okay to let a relationship go to a more casual level, just like you would have a relationship that becomes like a deeper and more intimate friendship. It can go both ways. Mm -hmm. I love that perspective. And you know, it's interesting that you bring that up because like right now I have two early teens. So I have like a 14 and a 13 year old. And it's like, we have to have that conversation a lot because they're going through that stage right now where I feel like at that age, a lot of relationships change in many different ways. And I'm telling them it's okay if it changes a little bit, you don't need to be forcing it to still be there and you don't need to feel guilty about ending it. Mm -hmm. And that's a really, really good point. Like we all get so anxious about ending relationships, but we don't tend to get nearly as anxious about making them deeper. And it does go both ways. 
It really does. And sorry to drop another name on you, but I, I did a, an interview with Phyllis Fagel, who's an educator and a journalist. Oh, yes. Yes. We, we spoke with her. Love her. She dropped some crazy, I don't have them right at the top of my head, but I'll send you the link. She dropped some crazy statistics about just the fluidity of friendships through middle school and how much they change and how, you know, some very small percent stay friends from, you know, freshman year to senior year or what, what have you. So I can send that along if that's helpful, but it just made a lot of sense. And I think it's a really important thing to translate to kids that it's not necessarily about you. If a, if a relationship, mm-hmm. you know, right. if something kind of falls to the wayside, just people are always changing. Yeah. And it goes the same for adult relationships. That's what I was going to say. I've given myself a bit of guilt for like not keeping in touch with friends that I had 10 years ago, but 10 years ago, I was in a very different stage of life. I was in a different career. I talked with them about this career and now I don't know how much we have in common anymore. Yeah. Yeah. And that's not to say you can't come back together later, but yeah, for sure. We need to rearrange the furniture just a little bit. Rearrange the furniture. (laughs) And if I saw them today, I would probably give them a big hug and we would like start chatting, but it's like, even though we haven't talked for like 10 years. So yeah, I can just ebb and flow. It's so funny though. I bring this back to us as parents and about also as about our whole self-care thought process. Like Mm -hmm. we are all about providing that emotional support to our kids. We're all about helping guide them through this. Mm -hmm. But then when it comes to us, it's almost like we completely forget our advice and our knowledge. Yeah. Right. It's kind of, it's true. I think we have to do things (laughs) a certain way. Right. So like in self-care, you say there's protective self-care, there's restorative self-care, really paying attention to those toxic relationships in your life, allowing some relationships to let go. You briefly talked about this pause, these pauses you take. And I know Mm. you recently wrote an article in the Washington Post about how the pandemic has affected many families and about embracing a slower pace of life. Yeah. How is your life changing and how is it becoming slower since the pandemic? Well, you know, it's, it's so interesting. I, I, in Massachusetts anyway, I was in the very, very last stage of eligibility for a vaccine. So I, I was thinking a lot about how my mental runway for what was possible was just on a very different timeline for other people. And I was also really, quite frankly, a hermit for most of the, (laughs) most of the pandemic. I haven't been in a grocery store since like January. (laughs) So I think I've been much more cautious than probably a lot of people. But I think everybody's journey through this, they're going to do what they have to do. I also I was part of my mom's caregiving solution. So there were there were distinct reasons why that was really important to me. So I feel like right now, I'm a little bit like the person digging in their heels, while everybody around me is really excited to make plans. And on the one hand, I want to be with them, but I'm just not ready yet. So Mm -hmm. I think the big challenge in front of everybody, because everybody's going to be on a different, somewhere different on that scale of like ready to run out the door and like, right. Like a cat clawing, like trying to hang inside the door (laughs) is to really check in with yourself, pause and say, what am I comfortable with? Like what matters to me and how can I best honor that? I mean, one really immediate example is I'm finally fully vaccinated, but I have a kid who's under 12 and they're not. And this is a situation so many families are in. So I just can't feel like I can fully celebrate while one of my little cubs is unprotected still. Mm -hmm. So it's all about really just taking it moment to moment and trying to put the brakes on if things feel like they're moving too fast for me. 
And if you're a parent, I invite you to join us at the Mindful Mama podcast, where it's all about becoming a less irritable, more joyful parent with sometimes hilarious and always thought-provoking experts and friends. At Mindful Mama, we know that you cannot give what you do not have. And when you have calm and peace within, then you can give it to your children. I'm Hunter Clark Fields, and I can't wait to see you there. Listen in to the Mindful Mama podcast. When it comes to raising kids, there's so much to consider. Things like, what do we feed them? When do we feed them? How do they sleep? What does it look like to raise kind kids? How does their nervous system work? How do I keep myself calm? What are my triggers? There's so much that comes into play. And we are distilling all of that information for you at Voices of Your Village podcast, where we bring experts in the field of early childhood and education and psychology and across the board so that you don't have to comb the internet for information. You get to show up and hang out and have shame-free, judgment-free conversations and insights into what it looks like to raise kind, empathetic, emotionally intelligent humans. I'm Alyssa Blask-Campbell. I have a master's degree in early childhood education. I'm a mom of two, and I am walking this journey right alongside you doing this work. Come hang out with me at Voices of Your Village, and we can dive into real conversations with actionable tips. I think the pandemic has also really let us see the benefits of not doing so much all the yes. time. Like when all those activities and the kids activities, and for me, it was like the driving back and forth to dance, the driving to Cub Scouts, all the things when that was all taken away, I felt like, oh my gosh, my brain works better. You have more, more degrees of freedom, literally, literally right. the, the image that I, when I was talking to people about for that article, one of the things that somebody was saying was that pre-pandemic, their lives and their calendar were just calibrated down to the minute. And I, it really made me think of like calendar Tetris, like trying to fit every little thing into, well, that might be dating me referencing Tetris, the game, but anyway, oh, I did it. Uh, I had, I had a little like cassette still- player that had Tetris on top. So yeah, like, okay, hey, good. Hey, okay. My, my Roku has Tetris. Yeah. So that is still relevant if you ask me. Yeah. So there you go. Okay. Okay. Good, 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 good. So yeah, but just this idea of like, trying to jam every little thing to fit and just being on the run all day long until you're exhausted. And I think that was the real eye-opening thing for a lot of people was like, wow, there is a different way to do this. And there's got to be some happy medium. And I think people are really working to try to find that. That piece really resonated with people, I think, because there was a lot of fear about already feeling like the world was moving too fast for them going back in. Yeah, because I think that if you're not conscious of it, that it's very easy to get back in that routine of doing way too much. And all of a sudden your schedule's filled up again. And you're like, how did this happen? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. When it was so yeah. great before. Bree's a little different than me. Bree's an extrovert and is like, let me out of the house. <laughs> <laughs> I'll admit like the first concert that was like scheduled anywhere near me. I'm like, I don't care how much it costs. I'm going. I'm going. I'm going. <laughs> well, that's an important thing to note too, because- you know, in a family system, and I think about family systems all the time, because my husband's a therapist, and he introduced me to the concept, but everybody's going to be different. You know, like I in our house, we have one super extrovert. And then three of us were kind of like somewhere in between extrovert to introvert. Mm -hmm. And the idea of the family system is that any action that one person takes is going to impact the rest of the family system in some Mm -hmm. way. So Mm I just want to encourage people to think about that as you're kind of re-entering life and figuring out what feels comfortable is that 
there are a lot of feelings that are going to be in play for what feels comfortable and who wants to do what. And so, you know, everybody's going to need to like probably give a little to help people find their way in this, in this after times as, as we've been calling it. Definitely. I like after it being times. thought of as a family system too, because it, it, it's easier to explain, especially to my 12 year old that if she decides to take 10 hours of dance a week. It affects the whole family. It's not just her. Oh my gosh. Yes. Is right? I talk all the time about how much I hate driving. Like I hate being in the you. car. I am there with you. Like anytime we do anything, my first question is how long is the drive? Like yeah. I, how oh much of a commitment is this? I hate driving as well. So much that like my daughter had to change dance studios because her old one closed down the pandemic and she wanted to go somewhere like 15 or 20 minutes away from our house when there's one up the street that's five minutes, and I'm like, nope, we're going to this one. <laughs> well, because they don't think yes. about that. She didn't yeah. think about the fact that one drive to that dance studio is 40 minutes in the car yeah. for you. Yeah, no, it's a lot. It's a lot. It's a lot. Though I will say one thing. So one like happy medium, this is a really good example, setting me up for a really good happy medium example, because so we haven't done a lot, but there have been a couple things like my teenager getting driving hours to get her license and then my younger one had a like abbreviated spring soccer season or sometime during the pandemic. And, you know, again, I hate driving, but I decided, I told myself, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to use these hours in the car to connect with friends or like, so I call somebody, I explicitly tell myself, okay, I'm not going to work. I'm going to do something that connects me to other humans. So during, oh, it was fall when my daughter was playing soccer and I wrote postcards to voters and letters well, to awesome. voters in my car. <laughs> and then, amazing. yeah. And then during, yeah. um, cause it was election season. And then in the spring, when I was in the car for um, the driving hours, I would just, I would schedule a call with a friend and say, Hey, I'm going to be sitting in my car for like an hour at 10 o'clock on Saturday. Do you want to talk and catch up? Great. And it ended up just being a way to, I mean, that was a form of self-care, strengthening the relationships I cared about during those little windows of time. And then I felt less resentful for being in the car. So, you know, there you go. I like that. <laughs> That's a good idea. I like that. Use it. One thing I use in the car is I listen to a lot of podcasts. That's great. <laughs> That's my yes. podcast time. Yes. That's my audiobook yeah. time too. Podcasts and audiobook. Yeah. Lovely. So what's coming up for you, Christine, that you're excited about? Oh, wow. Well, I have found myself in the unusual position of doing a lot of writing. <laughs> it's so funny. You know, I wrote this whole um, newsletter essay at the beginning of the year about how, you know, people talk about intentions all the time. Like I want to set an intention to do X, Y, or Z, but a lot of people don't talk about the sort of work behind it and all the attention you have to give to something that you really want to make happen. And so I had to get a little vulnerable at the beginning of the year because I had decided that one thing I wanted to do this year, I didn't want to do anything new. I had enough projects happening, but one thing I wanted to do was write a major media byline. And I had no idea how to do that. <laughs> and so I had to, the being vulnerable part was asking some colleagues and friends, how do I do this exactly? Like, how do I pitch an article idea? I had no idea, but thanks to the good advice of the people I, I had connected with, I submitted my first piece to the Washington Post. And now I'm kind of in their parenting pipeline of writers. Um, I wrote a post for CNN in the wake of the atrocities in Atlanta, the Asian hate crimes. And they reached out to me actually to ask me to write something. And now I'm in their pipeline for their lifestyle writing. Like there's just a lot of stuff coming down the pike. 
So that's exciting. Like I, as I said, at the very beginning of our episode, all I've ever wanted to do, I know it sounds a little lofty and I hope it doesn't sound too cheesy is I just, I just want to like help people kind of move the needle for themselves in really small ways. And I think that one thing I've heard repeatedly from people this year is that my writing helps them feel seen and helps them feel less alone and then helps them figure out what to do next. And that just, that's everything I want wrapped up right there. So that's what I'm going to be doing more of this year. That's okay. like the big virtual hug. Yeah. When that's you the warm that. and fuzzies that's right there. I, I am the virtual hugger. So yes. <laughs> Yes. Well, that is excellent. And that is very exciting. And we're definitely going to keep an eye out for future pieces you have. Uh, But it's been wonderful talking with you. Thank you so much for coming on. Thank you. This is a delight. And you both were so gracious amidst my earlier windstorm electrical outings. (laughs) (laughs) It it was worth the wait. (laughs) We have been there. We have been there. Thank you. Oh my goodness. Okay. First of all, like you already said, Christine is a delight to talk to. Mm-hmm. But I have to say I was a little intimidated. I mean, that yeah. woman has a lot of balls that she is juggling up in that air and she manages to make it seem from a distance so easy. She's but very yet, impressive. Right. But then when you talk to her, she's like, oh yeah, it's you got to do a lot of things like in terms of like boundaries. And mm-hmm. then she told us about something that I did not know that there were two different kinds of self-care. Yeah. Protective and restorative. You know, and when she describes it, that makes so much sense. So for starters, I'm just going to throw this out there that uh, we do have a download for this, the protective care versus the restorative care. So uh, we have that in our show notes. Just Mm -hmm. click on that and you can get a download where she has the two columns of it. And there was one in each of them that really spoke to me. Yeah. In the protective care, we talked about like letting go of toxic relationships. Mm -hmm. And I feel like that on like so many levels is such a big deal. Yeah. Like letting go of the people that when you talk to them, they weigh you like weigh you down. They weigh you down. Their work. Yes. And it's an interesting thing talking about with kids too, because I've talked about this with my daughter. There are just, there are some friendships that feel like work. And I think that's another way to describe toxic relationships. It's like the friends who you go to and you constantly feel like you're protecting yourself against them and their comments. Yes. And that's a hard thing to realize because we've been taught to be really nice people and to be very accommodating. But when you have somebody who isn't in the best like mental state themselves, you know, kind of like not taking care of themselves Mm -hmm. and they're pushing that onto other people, it's exhausting and it could be really hard to take. And so letting go of those toxic relationships or at least you know, putting a little protective buffer for yourself between them. Yeah. Because sometimes you can't let go of them completely. Sometimes they're family. Sometimes they're like friends of your, like your kids' friend, like moms and parents mm-hmm. of your kids' friends. But putting that like buffer and just protecting yourself against it. Oh, for sure. That's that's super important. And then the restorative care one that I thought was really interesting was the multi-sensory activities that feel good. Yeah. Like, yes. I'm really big on like smell. Oh, I really like yeah. things that have like the smell to them as well as um, You have your sounds. necklace. Yes. I'm not wearing it today, but I normally do. I have my diffuser necklace and then just like activities like when I'm out and doing stuff on the water, like mm-hmm. the sound of the water. It's very relaxing. Very relaxing. I feel very relaxed on the water, I noticed. After after our kayaking, I was very relaxed in the first part. But then after I went and moved the cars, I'm like like really tight afterwards. And it was hard to get back into it. Yeah. 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 So that was a great conversation with Christine. Absolutely loved it. Just, oh, so much fun. Yeah. And we have more info for you in our show notes. But until next time, remember, the best mom's a happy mom. Take care of you. And we will see you later. Thanks for stopping by. 
Margaret. And I'm Amy. And together we host the podcast, What Fresh Hell? Laughing in the Face of Motherhood. Margaret, I would say you're sort of a where are my keys kind of mom. Correct. Sometimes a where are my kids kind of mom. (laughs) Well, you're Amy more of a we were supposed to leave 35 seconds ago, mom. I mean, touche. In each episode of What Fresh Hell, we come at a topic from our usually completely opposite perspectives. I bring the research. And I bring kind of the gimlet eye. Like, is that research really going to work, people? And almost 10 million downloads later, we're still laughing. We also talk to experts in the parenting field, plus parents with stories we can all learn from. We make each other laugh, we challenge each other's assumptions, and we have what we think is the best parenting community on the internet. Check out What Fresh Hell? Laughing in the Face of Motherhood wherever you listen to podcasts.